Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back for another installment of Open Mic, the show where the mic is open. The floor is yours. What it is you want to talk about is what we are here to discuss. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it's awesome honor and privilege to have you guys here today as we uh, just kind of casually hang around for the next hour or two, just chatting about whatever it is you guys want to chat about. Now, there are two different ways to get a question addressed here on the show. The first way is to anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is to use our tip link that's at, you can see right here, it's also in the description, streamelements.com uh, slash John Campia slash tip. You can send that in anytime, 24-7. Or if you are watching live, you can use the uh, tip link in the live chat to send in a question. And as long as your comment or question is appropriate to be used on our show, we'll address it here <coughs> on the show. Uh, give you guys a heads up. You can tell, I just got back from the doctors actually. I still got my chest inflammation, stuff like that. <clears throat> I'm going to have like a cough and stuff like that probably for another couple of weeks. I feel good. I feel fine. But, you know, so you guys are just going to have to put up with me uh, using a halls every once in a while or, or sipping on a lot of liquid. But uh, we'll get through today no matter what. Anyway, good to have you guys here uh, now. We're going to start off here as we always do with open. You know, I always like to pick out a topic to kind of just kick things off with open mic, right? And I, I had a few people write to me uh, today after the John Campus show and, and basically saying, why didn't you make the Gina Carano thing a topic on the John Campus show today? <laughs> and, you know, we addressed it a little bit um, yesterday. We addressed this a little bit yesterday on uh, open mic because a few people wrote in and asked, but uh, I figured, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about this for a second. First of all, let, let me talk about why we didn't do it as a topic on the John Campia show. And then we'll, we'll talk about the issue. The reason we didn't do it as a topic on the John Campia show is because it absolutely doesn't matter. Um, like for instance, when we were talking about say, the uh, Ezra Miller situation, right? Like, I, I don't really care a lot about TMZ stuff, who's going to court, who's suing who, but with the Ezra Miller situation, <clears throat> Ezra Miller was one of the main Justice League members in a big cinematic universe, and the question about how will this affect that big cinematic universe, how will this affect the movies that we have coming up, because we had a big Flash movie coming up that he was going to be in, and it was directly... Um, implicated the movies we were watching, right? It was a direct story connected with the current stuff we were watching, the big DCU, he's Flash, what's going to happen, all that kind of stuff. So we talked about the Ezra Miller stuff, ad nauseum, as a matter of fact. The Jonathan Majors stuff. I mean, Jonathan Majors is or was the big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The whole future or the immediate future was going to revolve around Kang. And was he going to be Kang anymore? And this, what's going on in court will have a direct impact on what is or isn't going to be happening in these big Marvel Cinematic Universes and all this kind of stuff. He's one of the hottest actors in the world and blah, 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 right? So <clears throat> we talked about it. Gina Carano is a D-list, talentless nobody 
in the business who was in one movie where they had to dub overdub her entire voice because she was that bad. She was in another movie, Deadpool, where she literally had like six lines. And then they, the heavens smiled down on her and she got a role in Mandalorian, which by the way, I like her in the Mandalorian. Just for the record, I thought she was good in the Mandalorian. I, th- I, I really, I mean, she wasn't going to win any Emmys, but I thought she was really good in the Mandalorian. So take that, <laughs> you know? Um, and I really loved her as a mixed martial artist. Like the only fight she lost in her MMA career up to that point was against Chris Cyborg, which everybody lost to Chris Cyborg. <laughs> and then later on, and she gave Cyborg a hell of a fight. And then later on, Cyborg got busted for steroids. So the only real girl Gina Crono lost in her MMA, MMA career to was to an unstoppable machine who people then later find out was on steroids. I mean, I was a big fan of hers as, as a mixed martial art fighter, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, I was happy to see her, you know, gaining some traction, especially, I mean, she wasn't great in Deadpool, but she was fine for the six lines she had. And I actually quite liked her in Mandalorian and all that kind of stuff. So there you go. Um, so, but I mean, listen, I mean, that's really what it is. She is a non-working D-list at best D-list actress that has no implications really on anything in the entertainment world right now. And so that which stands in stark contrast to the Ezra Miller situation, to the Jonathan Major situation, hell, even to the Johnny Depp situation, which had a direct impact on upcoming movies we would or would not see these people in and all that kind of stuff. The the, the Gina Carano situation simply is not that. I'm not saying it's not a situation that isn't possibly interesting that could be talked about elsewhere, but... You know, I only tend to talk about this type of stuff if it's directly impacting the stuff we are watching now. And <clears throat> the Gina Carano situation just didn't fit that bill. So that's why um, we we didn't talk about the Gina Carano situation on the main show today. And I'll be honest with you. I told the guys beforehand. Now, this is true. Before the show started, I, I was sitting down. We were doing a little pre-show run through. And I mentioned, you know, I decided not to do the Gina Carano situation because of all the reasons I just told you. I said, but I'm sure somebody will ask the question. I'm sure somebody will bring it up on the show today. And nobody brought it up. Nobody asked. None of the viewers asked about it or talked about it. So it's like, yeah, that's that's pretty much how nothing of a story the whole thing is. But since I did have some people write to me afterwards to, to ask me about why we didn't do it and could we comment on it? I, I figured we would here. So just to catch you guys up a little bit on, on what the situation. So Gina Carano was of course, uh, uh, had a role to play in, uh, the Mandalorian. And I believe she got paid like $25,000 an episode. And I can't, I honestly can't remember how many episodes she was in. I liked I liked her in the episode she was in, but whatever. <clears throat> So, and they were even planning about doing, they were planning about building a show around her and a couple of other characters. I believe it was going to be called Rangers of the New Republic. I think that was going to be the name of the show, like a Rangers of the New Republic, and they just killed that entire show. So what happened was um, Gina Carano got on social media and started saying a lot of stuff. Now, 
Disney's had other actors before get on social media and say a lot of stuff. And then Disney went to those actors and their representatives and said, hey, listen, as long as you're associated with us and we're associated with you, can you please not do that online? And they stopped. They stopped. <coughs> they did the same thing with Gina Carano. And she didn't stop. Uh, she she just kept going, saying a lot of stuff that was some of it was just political opinion. Some of it was sheer insanity, but a lot of it was stuff that Disney just said, listen, if you're, if we're going to work with you, you're going to be associated with us and we're going to be associated with you. And we don't want to be associated with the stuff that you're talking about publicly. Please stop. She decided not to. Uh, the Washington post wrote this backlash against the posts sparked a trending hashtag, hashtag fire Gina Carano on what was then called Twitter. In a statement at the time, Lucasfilm said that Carano's social media posts denigrated people based on their cultural and religious identities and are abhorrent and unacceptable, and that there was no plans for them to work with her moving forward. On Tuesday, Carano denied making the comparison. Uh, the text from her Instagram story, which she deleted, uh, was accompanied by a disturbing Nazi era photo and argued that before soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating somebody for their political views? Well, you weren't being rounded up and shot and gassed. Maybe that's considered a little bit of a difference. I don't know. Anyway, in the lawsuit, Carano's attorneys allege that she was fired in retaliation for the lawful exercise of her right to speak and express her views. She was previously criticized for social media activity that included liking posts that disparaged the Black Lives Matter movement, mocking coronavirus mask wearing as a Democratic Party conspiracy, and echoing former President Donald Trump baseless claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election. So... <clears throat> There's all, all, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. Here's the point. And this is why I guarantee you, this is never going to go to trial because it's going to get dismissed. I guarantee it's going to be dismissed. Now I say that, and I mentioned this yesterday. I say that cognizant of the fact that there may be things that none of us know about, right? Like I'm only saying that based on all the information that we have publicly available to us. Based on all the information we have publicly available to us, I guarantee you this is never going to go to trial. In a month or two, the Disney attorneys are going to file a motion to dismiss and the judge is going to throw this out. Unless there is that stuff that we have to be aware may exist that we don't know about. Like, I don't know. For all I know, maybe Bob Iger got on the phone with every other casting person in Hollywood and said, Gina Carano kills baby kittens in her in their sleep. And she drinks the blood of kitty cats and she does all this and nobody in this business should work with her. Okay, like if that happened, which we don't know about, that's not a part of the public record, but I'm saying if that happened, well, then there is going to be some foundation for Gina Carano bringing a lawsuit against Disney. And maybe that stuff exists. I'm only commenting on the stuff that we have publicly available to us, okay? But simply based on the stuff that we have publicly available to us, there's, this isn't going to go to court. This isn't going to go to court. The judge is going to throw this out immediately. <clears throat> a couple things. And here's why. Nobody anywhere interfered with her right to free speech. Right to free speech means you cannot be prosecuted by the government 
for speaking your opinion and speaking your mind on an opinion, right? And nowhere in here, the, the Disney has no power to stop her from saying whatever she wanted on Twitter. She could go on Twitter. She could go into the town square. She could go anywhere she wanted and say her opinion. Nobody was stopping her. Nobody's stopping her. She could go and say her opinion anywhere she wants. However, freedom goes both ways. We've talked about this on the show a lot. Freedom is a two-way street. So like some of you watching, you may have gone, I stopped watching the Oscars because I don't like it when the actors get up there and talk about their political opinions. So I don't watch. Okay. See, you're free to not want to watch the Oscars. You're not infringing on the actor's free speech. The, the actor can still get up and say whatever they want, but you have a choice that you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to, right? Right? Absolutely, you have that freedom. You also have the freedom to not be associated with something somebody else says. You have that freedom, right? You have that freedom. And Disney, which, you know, my basic philosophy, look, just to be clear, my basic philosophy in life right now is fuck Disney. Uh, Disney can go right. Fuck themselves for all I care, especially with their money gouging predatory theme parks and everything. But anyway, we won't go into that whole rant right now. We won't go into all that. But um, Disney has every right to say as as an individual body to say, we don't want to be associated with the stuff you're saying. The comparison is this, and I mentioned this yesterday, but it's a perfect comparison. Let's say you decide to throw a dinner party at home. You're going to have a few people over and your mom, your mom, your delightful mom is one of your guests. And you also invite me to come to your dinner party in your house. So I come to your dinner party. And at some point in the middle of dinner, I decide to stand up, point at your mom and say, I think your mom's a whore. So here's the question. Do you as the host of this dinner party, do you have the right to ask me to leave? But if you ask me to leave, if you ask me to leave your dinner party, are you treading on my right to free speech? Aren't you oppressing my right to express my opinion that I think your mother, I'm sure she's, I'm sure your mother is truly a saint. I'm just saying for the example of the story that I, you, you are oppressing my right to free speech, to stand up, point at your mom and say, I think she's a whore. Of course not. You have every right to throw me the hell out of your house. I'd be lucky, especially if you had some brothers and cousins there. I'd be lucky if I'd be leaving your house in anything other than a body bag. The point is that I have the right to say, I think your mother's a whore. And you have the right to not want me to be a part of your dinner party if I'm going to say that. And you have the right to either politely ask me to leave or throw me the hell out of your house. I still have the right to say what I want to say, but you have the right 
to not be around me when I do it. You have the right to not let me be a part of your dinner party that you are throwing and is your house and you have the total right to throw me the hell out of your house. The freedom goes both ways. I have the freedom to say it. You have the freedom to disassociate yourself from me. Hopefully it's not in a body bag, but you have the freedom to disassociate yourself from me. That's the way freedom of speech works, folks. It's freedom of speech, not freedom from consequences. And freedom of speech means the government cannot oppress your ability to speak your opinion. But everybody else has the right to say, we want to have nothing to do with what it is you're saying. Just like if you don't like actors giving their political opinions at the Oscars, you have the right to tune them out. Are you oppressing that actor's free speech? No, you're just deciding, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And that's your freedom too. Disney in this case, and again, fuck Disney, but Disney in this case, they have the right to say, listen, we're a business. And Gina Carano is not our employee. She is a free will contractor as an actor. And we have a business to do. And we feel that what Gina Carano is doing on social media, whether you agree with her or not, whether you agree with her is not relevant. If Disney as a business says, we feel what she is doing on social media is hurting us as a company, we don't want to be associated with what she's saying, and we think what she's doing is going to hurt our business. Then guess what? Disney has the right to say we don't want to be associated with her. That's not trampling on her free speech any more than you throwing me out of your house is trampling on my free speech. She has the right to say what she wants. Disney has the right to way to react to it the way they want. And all that's going to happen in this court case, it's never going to become a court case, is Disney's going to go to a judge. They're going to submit um, uh, a thing for dismissal. They're going to ask for a dismissal. They're going to say Disney is, uh, is a big business. They felt that Gina Carano was going to hurt their business, and they decided not to work with her anymore. And the judge is going to go, yeah, case dismissed. It's going to be that simple unless, of course, there's other things that we, you and I don't know about yet that's a little bit more nefarious. If that's the case, then maybe it does go forward, but <coughs> it is what it is. Now, Elon Musk is bankrolling her little lawsuit, right? And in some ways, I'm a very big Elon Musk fan. I drive two of his cars. He's one of the foremost, he has been one of the foremost voices in climate change, in uh, the need to push our culture towards renewable energy, a lot of scientific advancement. There's a lot of things that Elon Musk has done and does that I really appreciate. He may have run Twitter into the ground, but there's a lot of things about Elon Musk that I appreciate very, very much. But make no mistake about it. Elon Musk is getting involved in this because Disney pulled their advertising from X, formerly known as Twitter. And Elon Musk has been looking for a way to try to get back at them. This isn't going to work. <laughs> this isn't going to, this isn't going to work, but I mean, Elon Musk got really mad that uh, so many advertisers left Twitter and, and, and he's got a hard on or a hate on, I should say, for Disney. And so he he figured this is some way to try to stick it to them, but it's not going to work. It's going to get thrown out by a judge immediately. 
And here's one of the other interesting things about this. And, and this is where I go, are you like certifiably insane? One of the things in her lawsuit that she's bringing against Disney is she wants a court to rule that Disney has to hire her back. Disney doesn't use the character anymore. No court can tell a movie studio, put this character into your movie. They don't use the character anymore. So like it would, Rob and I were talking about this after our show today. It would, it would be different if like, say they still had the character and brought in another actress to play her. So that job is still there. And then maybe she could ask to get that job back. But what Disney and Lucasfilm decided to do was just write the character out. No studio can tell or no, no court can tell a studio you have to put a character back in your show. I mean, that's just that's literally stupidity to even ask for that. That's literally stupidity to ask for that. So again, she was not an employee. She's a free will contractor that was asked to stop making certain social media posts because the company felt it reflected badly on them. She refused. And the company decided that they didn't want to be associated with her anymore because they felt she was going to hurt their business. It's that simple, guys. It's just that simple. And the only time it's not simple is when some people like agree with what she said, but that's not what this is about. It's not about whether you agree with what she said or not. It's about whether you as an individual or a company, whatever, has the freedom to choose not to want to be associated with what somebody else says or does. It, I'm sorry, guys, but it's just that simple. And you can agree with what she said, and that's fine. And she still has the freedom to say it all she wants. But just again, if I come into your dinner party and call your mom a whore, you're not oppressing my free speech if you throw me out of your house. You are acting totally within the rights that you have and the freedoms you have to not want to be associated, not have your dinner party associated with me standing there calling your mom a whore. Like I said, I'd, if you had cousins there too, I'd be lucky if I made it out in a body bag. So um, that's my whole thing on this. This is never going to get to trial. It's going to be thrown out immediately as soon as they bring a motion to dismiss, uh, unless there's other things we don't know about. And if there is other things we don't know about that is more nefarious than Disney deserves to get sued. But if it's based on everything we've just have in front of us as the facts that is publicly available to all of us, this isn't going to go anywhere. And I, I, I defy you to find one single legitimate legal uh, analyst uh, anywhere that says this was going to go anywhere. They're all going to tell you that it's not. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's just kind of the, the thing on this. And, and again, remember, I, I'm just, we're just talking about the facts here. I, I don't care whether you agree with the stuff that Gina Carano said. I don't care if you disagree with the stuff Gina Carano said. It's irrelevant. We're just talking about, does this have any merit? And it doesn't. So yeah, eh, there's, there's just that, whatever. My kind of opinion on that at any rate. And I'm sure everybody's going to have their own opinions and we'll see what transpires. Um, <clears throat> and that isn't that the truth about everything. We can all have our opinions, but at the end of the day, we're just going to have to wait and see how it actually shakes out. And, you know, We'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see. And listen, um, again, I was somebody who was really bummed out when I found out we weren't going to get that Rangers of the New Republic show. 
I was looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, you know what? It is what it is. All right, guys. With that down, let's get on to the real good stuff here, which is hearing from you. Uh, what are the things you guys want to talk about? We're going to start off with the tippling questions that people have sent in over the last 24 hours, and then we'll go over and start taking your live questions that you guys have been sending in, shall we? All right. We'll start things off here with, oh, oh that's the wrong one. We'll go over here instead. All right. Uh, Chicken Parm. I love your username already. I absolutely love your username already. Uh, Chicken Parm uh, writes... Let me get, make sure I get this right first. There we go. Okay. Are you excited for NHL players returning to the Olympics in 2026? Yes. Uh, not as excited about the four-team tournament next year, but it will serve as a good warm-up. Finland for gold. Canada for cold, baby. But here's the thing. I, I really do believe professional athletes should be allowed to be a part of the Olympics all the time. Um. The Olympics is about bringing your best, not just your best who don't happen to earn a living from it. I believe the Olympics is about every country bringing their best and putting the best representation of their athletic greatness in whatever field it is. So, yeah, I like it when pro players, whether it's basketball, hockey, whatever other discipline. I really I know some people feel that Olympics should only be for amateurs. But I disagree. I think the spirit of the Olympics is about every country bringing their best. And in some cases, the best is going to be professionals. So, yeah, I kind of like that. We're going to get the NHL players in the Olympics again. All right. Logan James Kynaston. Logan's been a viewer of mine for a very long time, actually. I see his name pop up once in a while for years. Uh, anyway. Hey, John. Uh, tonight I went to see my niece in her high school play of Chicago. Wow. Fun fact. It's the same high school that Sir Patrick Stewart attended. Nice. One of the school house clubs is called Stewart. Their logo is a shield with the Picard symbol in the middle. That's great. But you know what? That makes sense to me because if if... Like, I don't know, let's say if Hugh Jackman went to my high school, I'm absolutely sure one of the classrooms or one of the clubs or whatever would absolutely either be Hugh Jackman's face or a Wolverine symbol or something like that. I think that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that, man. All right. Next up, we got uh, Luis Felisanio, who writes, with David Leach doing the new Jurassic World movie. What are the chances it ends up being the long-rumored Jurassic slash Fast and Furious crossover movie? And what do you expect to hear about it at CinemaCon in April? All right. So for those of you who aren't up to speed on this, uh, John Wick, Deadpool 2, Bullet Train, and the upcoming Fall Guy director, David Leach, has just been hired to direct the next Jurassic Park movie, which comes out in 2025. Um, summer of 2025. It's like a year and a half away. There had been whispers over the years, although nothing ever legitimate, but there have been whispers over the years about Universal trying a crossover of Jurassic Park with Fast and the Furious. That's never going to happen. Um, if they were to do it, David Leach is probably the guy to do it, but that that's never going to happen. Uh, they're not going to go that way. Part of the reason is because like Jurassic World, these movies, despite the fact that the last one wasn't even very good, it's still made over a billion dollars, right? The Jurassic World films are still cranking out a billion dollar films, whereas the Fast and the Furious box office returns are on a steep decline. So 
I don't think the producers of Jurassic would have any interest in, in crossing those over. So, uh, no, I do not think that's going to happen. As far as what we expect to hear about it from CinemaCon, nothing. I expect we will hear nothing. Because generally speaking, at CinemaCon, because remember, they're talking to movie theater owners at CinemaCon. They are highlighting stuff and talk about stuff that is coming up in the next 12 months, right? Before the next CinemaCon, right? And the new Jurassic World movie comes out after the next CinemaCon. So I expect to hear them talk a lot about the Jurassic World movie at the next CinemaCon. I don't expect that they're going to talk much about uh, about it at this CinemaCon in April. So, um, yeah, I, I don't expect they're going to talk about it. At all. I don't know that for a fact. My guess is, though, that they generally don't talk about movies that are more than a year away. Uh, not that it's impossible. It's just unlikely. All right. Swanson Burgundy, right, I love that username, writes, uh, a thought about the Star Wars, Star Trek, and Jurassic World trilogy I had. The first movie is solid and brought excitement. Oh, you, pro you probably mean sequel trilogy. Guys, please don't write in abbreviations. Uh, a thought about the Star Wars sequel trilogy and the Jurassic World trilogy I had. The first movie is, a sol is solid and brought excitement back to the series. The second movie made some creative choices that ended up being divisive, and the third is considered the poorest of the series. Uh, I bring this up because I think this pattern is going to repeat with the next installment of the Final Fantasy VII Remake games. I have this gut feeling that creative choices will divide the audience and bring out toxic fandom, ruining the experience. Well, look. I'll be honest with you. While I played Here's what I found. Um, a hell of a lot of Final Fantasy VII when it first came out, when I was a lot younger, um, I have not played Final Fantasy in years. So I'm not really up to date on what they are. I heard they did the big Final Fantasy VII remake, like part one, part two, something like that. Um, but listen, in the video game and movie fandom, is tons of toxicity. Every game is going to bring out a toxic thing. You just got to brace yourself for it there, Swanson. So we'll see. All right. Next up, uh, we got Garden Variety Vagabond, who writes, I just read in Variety that Geraldine, you wrote this in yesterday, I will take over uh, for an unnamed role in Thunderbolts uh, just yesterday. Sorry. Yeah, you wrote that in. You know what? because we were a little bit delayed in getting to some of the questions you might've thought didn't come through, but we addressed this yesterday. I really like Geraldine in that, um, John Cena comedy blockers a few years ago. The movie as a whole wasn't very good, but I thought her and the other two young cast in it were really terrific. She's now got to be in her mid twenties and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, how she does in this. All right. Next up garden variety vagabond also writes, on the whole Taylor thing, first, I'm a huge fan of her as a writer and businesswoman. I uh, prefer her earlier stuff personally. That aside, uh, crazy that during the Super Bowl event today, they asked everyone what their favorite Taylor song is. Um, Too much for me. I, I don't know what Super Bowl event you're talking about. Was it an official Super Bowl event? Was it just some network doing something? So I don't really know. Like, if they're talking to, like, Travis Kelsey and they're in a group there asking what the favorite Taylor Swift song is. That kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, listen, we talked about this the other day. I can't help but laugh at a lot of the man children who start to cry that they for literally for the entire three hour broadcast 
of the AFC Championship game, Taylor Swift was literally on screen combined for a grand total of 25 seconds. 25 seconds. And I mentioned this the other day, but I'll say it again, just because I like to talk about uh, my favorite sports pundits. But one of my favorite sports pundits is a guy by the name of Colin Cowherd. He's over on Fox Sports. And he brought up a great point. He goes, I'm getting sick and tired of all these insecure man babies out there crying that they're showing that they just for a brief moment flash Taylor Swift on screen when Travis Kelsey makes a big catch. She says, you're, he said, you're all hypocrites because nobody complained when watching NBA basketball, particularly like the Toronto Raptors games, when the cameras go to Drake, because Drake was always there on, on the sidelines, right? They'd show Drake 50 times a game. Back in the day during the, the Showtime era, the Lakers, when Jack Nicholson's in the house, man, and sit, boom, 50 times a game over there, they'd show him. When like Brock Purdy is playing for the San Francisco 49ers, right? Whenever he makes some big play, it feels like 10 times a game. They'll cut and do a quick shot of his parents. Of course they do. That, that's his parents. They want to see their reaction of their son doing something great. He's like, how is that any different from a, from a few brief moments when Travis Kelsey makes some amazing play that they make a quick camera cut to his girlfriend? his world-famous, biggest pop star in the world girlfriend. Anyway, listen, if they started showing her for like five minutes instead of 25 seconds, I would get annoyed with it too, just to be honest, just to be frank. But what they're doing is perfectly fine and no different than what they've done with celebrities at these games all the time. Um, but hopefully, they don't literally do the halftime Super Bowl show where... They go around to the teams and ask everybody, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Even for me, that would be a bit much. All right. <clears throat> Next up. Um, uh, Christopher Rosado writes, with Deadpool 3, we've mostly been talking about the cameos from the Fox movies that could happen. But what about cameos of the MCU characters? If this movie ends like how we all think with Deadpool in the MCU, then I bet an MCU hero will show up to greet him. You know what, Christopher? Brava. Brava. That is an excellent question to bring up. Because you're right. On our show and on almost every other online uh, discourse I see going on about it, everybody's wondering about the cameos, and it's usually about the Fox characters, right? Like, we know um, uh, Jen is going to be there as uh, as Electra. Jennifer Garner is going to be there as Electra. We know Halle Berry is going to pop up as Storm. Patrick Stewart has heavily hinted he's going to pop up as Professor X. All this kind of stuff. But what has not really been a big part of the discourse is what about MCU characters that maybe could possibly pop up? And uh, Frost Frostadamus just brought up, just said something in the live chat that I was 100% about to say. The character that makes the most sense to me to pop up as a cameo is Doctor Strange. Because at the end of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, of course, Hot Charlie's Theron shows up and they start jumping around and, and they're about to try to, what, what's, what's the word they call it again? Um, 
the word when in not insurgents. What what's the word they call it when like two realities are about to overlap? Uh, not uh, not a pet incursion. Thank you. Q was the first one. That, incursions, right? He was about to jump through and fix an incursion and stuff like that. Therefore, that makes a lot of sense that it could be um, them. Somebody else, uh, DB, says, this is another one. I think it's Wong. Listen, Kevin Feige himself recently was joking about that. It's practically the Marvel Wong universe, the Wong cinematic universe right now. Um, Wong is a good, again, connected to Doctor Strange and all that kind of stuff. So that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense too. So, yeah, I think those will probably be the two most likely MCU characters. There's a lot of other possibilities, but I think those are the two most likely ones. All right, let's go to the next one here. Thanks a lot for that, Christopher. Next up, we got uh, Chip Crisper writes, Hey, John, just confirming the name on that Batman versus Superman edit you called the Arkham Cut. Was it actually called Batman versus Superman No Justice? Uh, this thing may be hard to find. Thanks for bringing on the filthy. Oh, it is very hard to find because my buddy doesn't want to get sued. It's out there, but it's very well hidden to the point that only for the it's it's 99.99% that only people he wants to find it will find it but no it is indeed called the Batman versus Superman Arkham cut is what he referred to it as not no justice uh all right thanks a lot for asking though chip appreciate that man all right uh j oh i thought this said jim no jm other jm none other writes madam web sports analogy i love sports analogies Sony is the owner slash GM. They hire the producers of movies that are sometimes the head coach of the team. For Sony Spider-Man, Spidey films outside of Madam Web, Avi Arad is the guy that needs to be let go <clears throat> and has been there too long. Bye. Yeah, but you want to know an inconvenient truth that nobody likes to deal with? <clears throat> when Spider-Man... Into the Spider-Verse won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. You know who went up on stage to accept the trophy? Avi Arad. Now, look, I'm not saying I disagree with you, okay? Let, let's just, let me be clear about that. I'm not saying I disagree with you. But he's also the producer of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now, inevitably, when inconvenient facts like that get brought up, people will go, well, no, 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 he had, that was really more Lord Miller. It wasn't him. Well, here's the thing. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't pay it, have it both ways. Either when he's the producer, he's responsible for how good or bad it is, or he's not. You can't say when he's the producer on a couple of movies that are great, say, ah, oh, he had nothing to do with it. But then when he's the producer of a couple of other things that are horrible, go, well, he's 100% responsible for that. You can't do it both ways. You got to say, hey, he's quite influential, maybe not entirely responsible, but he's quite influential on the success and failure of all of them, or he's not for all of them. Like, you can't pick and choose. I see people with Star Wars with Kathleen Kennedy, somebody who I think needs to be gone, but you can't. You know, when the stuff about Kathleen Kennedy points up, you can't hold her responsible for all the complete failures that Star Wars has had and then say she had nothing to do with the things that were big successes. Like you can't, you, 
it's such a fucking immature game to play, right? Like, hey, guess what? Did did you like Rogue One? Yeah, well, she was the head of Lucasfilm that made Rogue One. Did you like Mandalorian? Well, guess what? She's the one who picked out Jon Favreau's project, and she's the one who paired Jon Favreau with Dave Filoni and shepherded that into being. Like, all I'm saying is, you can be like me and 100% believe that Kathleen Kennedy needs to go, and yet still call it like it is and say, hey, listen, she's had her victories, right? I still 100% believe she needs to go, but my position is not so fragile and insecure that I can't acknowledge that she's had her victories, right? Rogue One was a big victory. Um, (coughs) Pardon me. Um, A lot of people seem to like the, uh, uh, what's the animated thing? Uh, the, the what if kind of series they do star Wars images. No, well, what is it called again? Star Wars something. Um, she, she put, got the Mandalorian up and going, um, visions. Thank you. Q. Yeah. Star Wars visions. Um, so you can believe like I do that she hundred percent has to go, but the problem is Because like I said, I don't think men know how to be men anymore, but like a lot of so-called men today, we are so insecure that we can't acknowledge that the thing where like I take this position and everything has to be that position because I'm so insecure about my, my opinion on this, that I can't acknowledge anything that's opposite of my opinion. Hey, listen, I'll, I'll say right now, Kathleen Kennedy needs to go. She's, I've been saying this for years. But I can acknowledge she's got some big wins. What happens is too many people play the pussy card and they go, oh yeah, she was responsible for all these terrible, terrible Star Wars things, which I believe she is. Oh, but all the things that worked, oh, she had nothing to do with that. She had nothing to do with that. That is the sign of an intellectual uh, pygmy, okay? That's just, yeah. Uh, So what I would say is, uh, I agree with you that Avi Arad needs to go. But what I'm saying is, if when we say that, we do also at the same time have to at least acknowledge, you know, the saying, give credit where credit is due and say, hey, but he also had some wins, right? Avi Arad's had some wins, which is why the studio keeps him around. So uh, I think it's a it's a both and not an either or. All right. But I agree with you in general, JM. I, I happen to agree with you. All right. Listen, guys, we still got a lot more to go, but uh, my drink runneth dry. So we're going to take a quick second here. I'm going to rest my voice for a bit, go refill my drink, give you guys a chance to talk amongst yourselves for a minute. And we're going to hear from a couple of sponsors of today's episode, our friends at Masterclass and with the Super Bowl coming up, DraftKings. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's episode, Masterclass. Everyone, it's a new year. So picture that thing that you've always wanted to learn. Now, picture learning it from a person who's literally one of the best in the world at it. And that's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Because Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, like I did, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or learn the art of storytelling from the man himself, Neil Gaiman. Masterclass has you covered because with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's 
best. At Masterclass, there are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes being added every month. And if you're a viewer of The John Campus Show, you probably love movie making, storytelling, television. So you'd be totally interested in things like screenwriting from Aaron Sorkin, learn developing original TV series from Stranger Things' as The Duffer Brothers, or maybe you like the music side of movies, well, you can learn film scoring from Hans Zimmer. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash campia. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash campia. Masterclass.com slash campia. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, DraftKings. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new app, Pick 6. Pick 6 is the newest way for you to get in on the fantasy football action with DraftKings. New customers can make their first NFL picks and get up to 100 bucks in Pick 6 credits if those picks lose. All you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of that stat. For example, will a player have more or less than 100 rushing yards or will a player have more or less than one touchdown. Track your lineup and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. So download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with the code CAMPIA. New customers can get up to 100 bucks back in Pick 6 credits if your first football pick set loses. That's code CAMPIA only on DraftKings Pick 6. One offer per new customer. First qualifying pick set winnings less entry fees must generate negative number. Max reward up to $100 equal to amount of negative number. Issued in non-withdrawable pick six credits valid for pick six use only. Expire after one year. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings pick six operates. Pick six not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, please visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void were prohibited. See terms and pick six.draftkings.com. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass and DraftKings for sponsoring today's episode. All right, guys. Hey, listen, before we get rolling back in the questions again, <clears throat> I, um, uh, I, 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 I'm only bringing this up because this is kind of a more casual kind of just us chatting and talking. Um, but so I got, I, I got contacted by my agency. All right. And they brought up something to me last year that I kind of turned down. And I'll tell you why I turned it down in a second. And then they brought it up with me again today. And what they brought up is this, this the agency wants to um, put me on tour. They want to set up like, not like a 40 day thing, but like set up a thing where we do a, a live taping of an open mic or John Campia show in Vegas and a, an open mic in Boston or a John Campia show in St. Louis or, you know, whatever kind of maybe Toronto or <clears throat> something like that and tour me around. And initially, like, they brought it up to me again last year because you guys remember earlier in, in 2023, me and Harloff and Alba did like two of those, but we just did them here at home. Like we did it in LA and Burbank specifically. And the reason I said uh, no two years ago is because, um, I, you know, I look, I am, I am a fucking nobody. <laughs> I, I'm a dude. I'm literally sitting in this little office with a with a little camera and my computer. Uh, 
on the interwebs. I'm a fucking nobody. And and what I said to them last year is like, listen, guys, I, I don't know what you think, but I am a nobody. And I'm afraid that if it's going to be really embarrassing because I'm afraid if I go on uh, like this tour thing and I go do some in Vegas that like five people are going to show up. Like, well, I'll be in like a hundred seat, you know, club or something like that. And like five people are going to show up. And, and so I said, no, I said, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get embarrassed and all that kind of stuff. I'm perfectly happy, happy hiding behind a little camera on the internet. Thank you very much. Um, but they brought it up again <clears throat> because they've got other clients at the agency who have like smaller YouTube channels than me. And I have a very small YouTube channel, <laughs> but uh, they have some a couple of clients that are e even smaller than mine. And they've done a little tour thing with them and they said they've sold out and they've done really, really well. So I, uh, I don't know. I got to talk to Ann about it. I, cause I am, this, this is one of my big things. I hate the idea of being embarrassed. I hate it. I know a lot of guys feel the same way, but maybe it's the Italian in me or whatever, but I'm like hyper, hyper sense. Like I'm not afraid to fail, right? If you're afraid to fail, you'll never accomplish anything. And I'm not afraid to fail. I, I, I start up a lot of stuff. Some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. That's cool. I'm not afraid to fail. You got to be willing to fail if you're going to get anywhere. But I'm afraid of being embarrassed. Like if I start a new show and it doesn't work, oh, well, I tried a new show. And it didn't work. I'm not embarrassed by that. But <coughs> the idea of like doing a live show in Vegas or Seattle or wherever and like literally having five people show up, that cripples me. Like that paralyzes me. Uh, I'm just, I'm just being open with you guys about one of my vices, one of my, one of my weaknesses, that sort of thing completely paralyzes me with fear. Uh, like the idea of, of being embarrassed. And so I don't know, I got to think about it. I, I got to think about it, but, um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, let's get back to the important stuff, which is your topics you guys are bringing up. Uh, let's see here. That was JM, none other. Let's go over now to Garden Variety Vagabond, who writes, as you were, <coughs> pardon me, as you were talking about creatives getting re-empowered by Bob Iger, do you feel that Kathleen Kennedy may have been given a short reprieve as a benefit of the doubt, as a benefit of the doubt saying, now it's on you, uh, no financers to interfere, win or lose, it's all on you now. I don't know, to give you some context to what Garden Variety Vagabond is bringing up, I mentioned last year that I had been told by a pretty inside person that it was done, the decision had been made, Kathleen Kennedy is out as the head of Lucasfilm, they're going to allow her to finish out a couple of things, but in between the release of uh, the new Indiana Jones movie and the end of the year, the end of 2023, they'll announce in that window somewhere that she's gone, right? And I said that very early. I said that near the beginning of the year in 2023. Well, what happened? Indiana Jones came and she was still there. That was fine. Cause I was told somewhere between the release of Indiana Jones and the end of the year. Well, then the end of the year came and went and guess what? 
Let me just double check this. Yep, Kathleen Kennedy is still the head of Lucasfilm. Still the head of Lucasfilm. So, what happened? I don't think it's a matter of Bob Iger coming back and giving her a reprieve because, I mean, Bob, I, well, Bob Iger's not the one that hired her. George Lucas is the one that hired her. Still, that being said, my best guess, and it's only a guess, my best guess is she might have gone to them with some kind of plan and said, let me try to execute this. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, then I'm gone. I, I, again, I'm just guessing here, okay? This is just me pulling this out of the fluffy clouds up your ass. I, I have no idea if that's the reality or not, but it's the only thing I got. The only thing I got is is she came to them with a plan and said, look, I know I'm supposed to be gone, but I've got this idea. Give me this shot. Come on, Disney. I delivered to you $4 billion films. The Force Awakens was a billion-dollar film. The Last Jedi was a billion-dollar film. The Rise of Skywalker, just saying, gives me shivers. The Rise of Skywalker was a billion-dollar film. Rogue One was a billion-dollar film. One of our biggest hits, Mandalorian, I brought that. So, I don't know, maybe she went to them and said, look, give me this one last shot. Let me give this, um, let me give this a shot, and, let, and, and, and if it doesn't work, I'm gone. I don't know. That's that's my only guess. Because like I said, I was told definitively by a person very much on the inside that it that it was done. That somewhere in between Indiana Jones and the end of 2023, they would announce it and she would depart to go on to open up her own shingle and 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 function as a producer and you know, all the things she's really good at, right? Running a studio is not one of the things she's good at. Being a producer, she is. <clears throat> and it didn't happen. Just flat out didn't happen. And so, what did, did, did Iger give her one last reprieve? Did she go to somebody like the Upper Ups with one last ditch effort? Or, 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 or did Lucasfilm find the person they want to be? Did, did Disney find the next person they want to be the lead of Lucasfilm, but they're under contract with something else for another year or so, and they just said, Kathleen Kennedy, we need you to stick around and stay in your job until this next... I, I don't know. Maybe that's it, right? Maybe that's it. Maybe they found somebody else but said, oh, this person has got responsibilities and obligations until you know, the beginning of 2025. Therefore, Kathleen, we're going to need you to continue to run the company for another year. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's it. Again, I have no idea, but they would got to make a change, man. They, they've, they've got to make a change. All right. Next up. And again, I say that with all due respect to Kathleen Kennedy. She is one of the greatest producers in Hollywood history. Steven Spielberg says she is the greatest producer in Hollywood history. Her resume, nobody else has a resume that's equal to hers. It's incredible. But there's a difference between being a producer and being the head of a studio. And she has not succeeded as being the head of a studio. Anyway, I'm just, just saying that. again. So I'm not trying to trash on Kathleen Kennedy. I just think she needs, I think it'd be in her best interest to move on. Anyway, 
That being said, Sam Fisher writes, in a recent uh, Fantastic Four issue, Reed says that Raul Richards of Earth 234925 makes the best tacos in the multiverse. That's rather racist. Anyway, uh, so if it's true, Pascal is Mr. Fantastic. I think I'll forever know him as Raul Richards, not Reed Richards, because Pascal is also Latino. So anybody who's Latino has got to be called Raul. I know you don't mean it that way. I'm busting your balls. I know you don't mean it that way. I, I, I wouldn't... <clears throat> I, I, I wouldn't make that jump, though. I wouldn't make those connections. All right, next up. Ethan Holger writes, Hey, John, like you, I didn't like Argyle, I, and it breaks my heart that I didn't like Argyle. Uh, had its moments, but not a good movie. I feel like certain ideas Matthew Vaughn has had lately in his past three movies just haven't translated well. Uh, when he has a great script, he really shines. Hope he can get to that. Listen, man, you and me both. I love Matthew Vaughn. I am an unapologetic, uh, big fan of Matthew Vaughn and sorry, my wife just sent me something that I have to look at. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to tell you what this is. It's nothing bad. There's nothing bad. Um, anyway, I, I love me Matthew Vaughn, but you know, I brought it up. We talked about it a little bit on open mic yesterday that I don't know what's going on with Matthew Vaughn because he gives us stardust which I think is the most underrated film of all time. Not the best film of all time, most underrated and underappreciated. He gives us kick-ass and he gives us uh, X-Men first class and he gives us the Kingsman, right? So like, he's like on this incredible role, banger after banger after banger. And by the way, was a producer even before that working with Guy Ritchie. <coughs> But then, since then, since those incredible group of films, we've gotten Kingsman 2, which I say this with all due respect, but like sucks donkey balls. I mean, it's just, it's a bad film. Really? So we're, we're going to have Elton John do Kung Fu fighting. That's what we're doing in this movie now. Anyway, um, and then he does... The King's Man with the greatest actor in the world who doesn't have an Oscar, Rafe Fiennes. The great Rafe Fiennes. Jaimon Hansu. It's a great cast. The concept's a good concept. And that movie was bad. That, that movie was pretty damn bad. And then he comes out with Argyle. <clears throat> Argyle with a great director, Matthew Vaughn. Henry Cavill and you guys, I mean, you can't see him right now, but you can just see the tip of his head right there. Where is it? Where is it? Right there above the TV. Uh, that's my Henry Cavill standing. You guys know how I feel about Henry Cavill. Bryce Dallas Howard, who I gave you my guys, my whole love letter about Bryce Dallas Howard yesterday. I love her. Sam Rockwell, Samuel L. Jackson, Brian Cranston, uh, Catherine O'Hara, just John Cena, just terrific cast movie's really bad, man. Argyle's really bad. And I hope you like it. If you liked it, great. I'm not trying to diminish your enjoyment of it. If you liked it, I'm just saying I thought it was terrible, unfortunately. I don't know what's happened, but I really, really hope he finds his superpowers again, right? I, I feel like he's, he's Superman and somebody slips some kryptonite in his back pocket and he's lost all of his power. And I hope he discovers it again. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it, too. M. M. Joseph uh, just says he lost his mojo. Yeah, I mean, and and I really, really hope he can find it again. I really do. Um, And um, and yeah, I still want to see Henry Cavill as as, uh, James Bond, too. All right. That will do it uh, for all the questions that people sent in um, via the tip link. Now it is time for us to go over to take your live questions. You guys have been sending in questions live. So let's get over to that right now. And we're going to start off with Patrick Hamilton, who writes, I wonder when we'll see a trailer for Borderlands. Uh, It's supposed to come out in August. The filming was wrapped back in 2021. Yeah, I actually thought because even though it's February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Okay, so. Six months is a little long, but I remember like a week or two ago, I I can't remember who I was talking to, but Borderlands was, I thought, a possibility of getting a Super Bowl ad spot. It's still six months away, though. Man, I, listen, I think, I don't think I'm wrong about this. I think I was still at Collider. I think I was still there. When we were first talking about the Borderlands movie, Eli Roth's Borderlands movie and blah, blah. And then it delayed, delayed, delayed. Then they finally shot it. And the thing was finished shooting like almost three years, two and a half years ago. They finished shooting this thing and we're still waiting for it. I mean, it's crazy. So um, my guess is probably around May, June, July, somewhere around May. April or May, I think, is when we'll get our first one. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they give us, if they debut the trailer for Borderlands in April at CinemaCon. Yeah, that's my answer. I think they're going to debut this. I'm I'm just guessing. I don't have any insider information. My guess is they're going to debut a Borderlands trailer at CinemaCon because that'll be in April, May, June, July, August. That's a perfect time window. That'll be four months from the release of the film. Perfect timing. That's where I think we're going to get it, is at CinemaCon. So there's that. All right. <clears throat> Good question, Patrick. Next up, John Redcorn writes, uh, what do Marvel's Aquaman 2 and Madam Web all have in common? They all had terrible marketing and their embargoes lifted the day before they came out. Yeah. Um, man, you know, and you know what? And I'll, and I'll say this. I like the Marvels. I can't say that about everything the Marvel's done lately. But I like the Marvels. I didn't think it was great. <laughs> definitely had issues. Definitely had problems. But overall, I walked out entertained. Aquaman, I also did not hate. It was definitely a big step down from the first Aquaman. But I didn't hate. But I could totally see why they had the, they they hid the reviews for so long because it it, it just it's so paled in comparison to the first one. And Argyle or Madam Web, I mean, listen, it, it, I haven't seen the movie yet, but Sony has told us that they don't believe in the film. So I, I don't see why we should believe in the film, though. So, <clears throat> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Hope Springs Eternal. Maybe Madam Web will be great. I doubt it, but maybe it will. We'll have to see. All right. Uh, John Recker writes, also, there's no excitement for any of these films. Well, <clears throat> Particularly with Aquaman 2, it was very difficult to generate excitement for the film because it got delayed by over a year. They had, they had started an ad campaign for it. They had started a trailer campaign. And then all of a sudden, 
they pull the plug on and say they're moving it by a full year. I mean, there was, there were circumstances involved, but I get it. But whenever you do that, it takes a lot of wind out of the sale. Then there was the whole, um, Amber Heard situation. Then there was the whole thing that, you know, uh, Jason Momoa was going to be moving on to play something else. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And especially the move, though, it's it's hard to maintain. Plus, on top of all that, every single DCEU film that had come out since the last Aquaman movie <coughs> failed at the box office. All of them. So it was really, really difficult. I mean, Aquaman 2 faced a really, really big uphill, uphill battle to try to generate enthusiasm for it. So yeah, there's that. All right. And it didn't help that the movie wasn't great. So I still had fun, but it, you know, it wasn't great. All right. Uh, Schickster writes, uh, disagree with video game take from main show console exclusives. I was gonna say what video game take? Oh, this one console exclusives, exact same as max Netflix, Disney plus they're nothing fucking alike. It's nothing fucking alike. Um, video game, uh, exclusives, exact same as Max, Netflix, Disney Plus, or Apple exclusives. No, it's not. It's not the same at all. Uh, choose provider by content provided. No, it's not the same at all because um, the vast majority of games, like I still remember when I was like starting to play console games, like the first PS came out and, and, and whatever, there, there were always some exclusives, but like a lot of games that came out are, you know, the they do the ad for the game and it says available soon on uh, PlayStation on Xbox on PC on whatever, right? Like games should be able to be played everywhere except Nintendo, which has always been kind of like a closed ecosystem. But yeah, I, I, I mean, personally I would be all for no exclusives. I I'm all for like, Hey, if you're going to put out a kick-ass God of war game, make it so everybody can play it if they have a, a console, they can play it. And then let the best console determine what people want to buy. I think it's a totally different thing than trying to compare it to a streaming network where it's just about the content, right? Everything, in, or at least the vast, 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 vast majority of content on streaming is exclusive to a particular place. <clears throat> it's the exception when you get stuff that you can get in two places or more. In video games, it is very rare that you can only play a video game on one device, right? It's very rare that you'll find a game that you can only play on one of the consoles, but not on PC, right? It's um, not that it's super rare, but it's 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 more common that a game will be available on, on multiple platforms. Maybe not all of them, but multiple platforms, right? So I think it's a completely different situation. Now, listen... When we start talking about the area of, of video games, we're outside. I admit we're outside my area expertise, but I've been playing video games for a long time. Like going back a lot of years, I, I know how they did it for a long time. But trying to compare console stuff with streaming networks, it, that's it's not a valid comparison. They're just two radically different things. Um, so yeah, there's that. Anyway. Um, thanks for sharing your thoughts. So Shik, sir, I appreciate that. All right. Next up, Michael Bradley writes, uh, Hey John, what did you think of the blacklist finale? I thought the lead up was great, but the final episode was underwhelming. Here's the problem. You could really tell from the finale of the blacklist that they didn't know where the show ultimately was going because while I thought the show overall was great, I love the blacklist. 
they went from being Raymond isn't her father to no, Raymond is her father. To back again, oh no, as it turns out, he's not the father. Then kind of maybe he was the father. And then, and they like did so much self-contradiction because they never actually knew where they were going. You know what it reminded me of? The ending of Lost. By the time we got to the ending of Lost, I felt like they started this show with a great idea for a mystery without really ultimately knowing where it was going. Right. That that's how it felt. I'm not saying that's what it was, but that's what it felt. Lost felt like a show that they had this amazing concept for a mystery, but didn't actually know what the answer to the mystery was. And they just figured we'll figure it out as the show progresses. And then it came to this ending that was very unsatisfactory to a lot of people. Blacklist felt the same to me. Blacklist felt like they had this great concept for this great mystery, particularly sending up, you know, the, the parentage of Liz and stuff like that. And killing off Liz was a very weird choice. Like I know the actress was leaving, but the character was so integral to the show and so important to the show. They should have just recast her. Anyway, that being said, but that's what the ending of, of Blacklist felt like to me. It felt like they never really knew where they were going. Uh, even though the journey was great, the journey was great, but I, I feel like they clearly didn't know for very long where they ultimately were going to end things up. All right, next up. Uh, Mumra, the ever-living, writes, and it's a, it's a Thundercats thing. Uh, instead of shelving Aladdin 2, why doesn't Disney recast Genie with a triple threat who can sing, be funny, do drama like Jamie Foxx or Jack Black? Okay. <laughs> It's a good question, but I actually think there's a really good reason why they don't do that because it's a no win situation. Here's the thing. When they were even thinking about making a live action Aladdin, they were facing the daunting task of who's going to replace Robin Williams. Come on. Who's going to replace Robin Williams? Nobody. So, they went out and cast Will Smith, who I personally think did a masterful job of creating a genie character that was very homagey and respectful of the Robin Williams genie, while at the same time making it very uniquely his own uh, for the genie character. He made it very uniquely his own while being very respectful to the Robin Williams iteration of the character, right? <clears throat> Now you want to do it again? That's a tough sell, right? That's a tough sell. Now we got to replace the genie again. That's a tough sell. But here's the reason why it's a no-win situation. Because <clears throat> Disney doesn't want to make it with Will Smith. And Will Smith's career will come back and he'll be fine. He's a fabulous talent. I mean, I hate what he did at the Oscars and he needed to suffer some consequences and he has, but I'm also a big fan of his. And I think there's something to be said was, hey, listen, Will Smith has suffered a lot of financial damage and a lot of public worldwide humiliation because of what happened. At some point, we got to let the man just move on and, and develop. He's, he's a terrific talent and I think he should be allowed to continue on his career. But if you're Disney, it's a no-win situation. If you do it with Will Smith... 
everybody, it's all people are going to talk about is the controversy and should he be allowed to be in it? And there's going to be a lot of complaining and a lot of vocal people and all that kind of stuff. At the same time, if you try to replace Will Smith, then you're going to get a lot of people going, boycott the new G- Will Smith or nothing, justice for Will Smith, right? It's a no-win situation for them. They are literally fucked if they do and fucked if they don't. Do it with them, they're going to face a whole lot of headaches. Do it without them, they're going to face a whole lot of headaches. And all that is already compounded by the problem of, look, we already tried to introduce a new genie, which was hard to go from Robin Williams to Will Smith, but now we're going to try to do that whole thing again. We're going to try to get the audience to buy into yet another new genie. It's it's a tough, it's an uphill climb, but the but that aside, the whole damned if you do and damned if you don't, it makes it a very, very difficult thing for them to do. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I just don't, I would, and, and that sucks because I love Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. I love that movie. I would love to see another one, but I totally get why they're not doing it. But yeah, whatever. That's just me. All right. <clears throat> Next up, we've got uh, Brody Weaver writes, what does the Fast and Furious franchise need to do to pick it up? I mean, look, I, I don't mean to be facetious. It's just really the answer. They need to make good movies again because their movies have been terrible. You pick it up by making quality movies. There's no formula. Have more car racing. That won't make the movies better. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Fast and Furious has gotten away from their core, which is like car racing and stuff like that. But it's okay. You can have no car races and still make a great movie. Um, I mean, they've just gotten so bad. And listen, I know a lot of people feel like they started getting bad with eight. I still like eight. I, I know I'm kind of alone in that opinion. I liked eight, even though it was a big step down from seven, but like four, five, six, seven, they were all bangers. Then eight started to decline in quality a little bit, but I, I still liked eight. But then nine was like, whoa, nine was so bad. Nine was so bad. Uh, and then 10 was better than nine. They corrected a little bit. 10 was better than nine, but it was still quite bad. They they need to just get back to just telling some good stories. Like you go back to the first couple, it was very story driven. And, and this, it has not been lately. So they need to do the hardest thing in the world. They just need to make good movies again. That'll fix everything. Listen, winning cures everything. You just put out a good movie. You're fine, right? Just put out a good movie and you're fine. All right. James Wheeler writes, hello, John, have you seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Yes. And if so, what did you think about? We've talked about this before. It was my favorite movie of 2020. It was not my favorite movie of 2020, um, <laughs> but it was edgy. You know, the, the the period piece stuff was great. The dynamic between the two leads, those two women was, I mean, not no pun intended, was fire. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful movie. It didn't make my top five favorite movies of the year list, but I've, I've very much personally enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I'm glad that you saw it. All right. Next up. No way in hell Blade makes that November 2025 date. No, actually, it's no problem for it to make the... Listen, if they go into production on time, because apparently their script is done, if they go into production on time, there's no reason why it can't make the November 2025 date. I, I, I just don't know why... 
unless there's something I'm not considering here, but I don't see why you would say that right now at the beginning of 2024, you would have any reason to believe that it doesn't get, um, make the 2025 release date. That's plenty of time. They got tons of time to make that. So now that raises the bigger question of, does this movie ever get made? I think that's still a legitimate question is, do they ever actually get around um, <coughs> to making to making this movie? That's a valid question. But if they are making the movie, I don't personally see any reason at this point in time that they, they got plenty of time to make a, a November 2025 release. Listen, if they can have a Jurassic World movie come out next summer, they can get a Blade movie no problem. No problem. They can get a Blade movie by November of 2025. Just the question is, do they make the movie at all? And that's 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 the question. All right. Next up, Eddie Garcia sends in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Eddie, for that. I appreciate that very much, man. And Eddie writes, I'm a big Friday the 13th fan. Is there any chance in the near future for a new film with Jason? Um, Maybe. Listen, I know... For a lot of years now, there's been a huge legal fight going on with a very twisted, tangled rights issue stuff in the courts going on. Like a big, 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 nasty, nasty mess in the courts um, <clears throat> over the rights and who's got the rights. Because one person had the rights to the story but another person had the rights to the character and then like a third party had the rights to the original screenplay that's reverting back. And then it just became this huge tangled mess. So nobody even knew who's got the right to make a, a, a Friday the 13th movie. Now, if I remember, um, <clears throat> if I remember correctly and I might not be, so take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. If I remember correctly, I think I heard that last year, I think I remember at some point last year, them saying that the rights issue got settled. I believe I, I remember hearing that the rights issues just got settled and they're free to make another one now if they want. Um, so I would think yes, <laughs> but should they? Legacy IP has not been doing great lately. And I don't know if there's actually, like, if I took a quick second here and looked at, uh, let me see here, Friday the 13th box office. Um, if I go over and look at Friday the 13th box office, What's the last one they got on record? The last one they have on record right now is Friday the 13th in 2009. Yeah, that's the last one they've got. The 2009 one, Friday the 13th, made a grand total worldwide of $91 million, which you know what? It's not the worst. $91 million isn't the worst, especially if they can make it for really cheap. Um... But again, like right now, here we are 14 years later, 15 years later. I, I just don't know that legacy IP is a thing to go to. But hey, maybe they will, man. Maybe they will. All right. Uh, next up, 
Uh, we've got a CJ Rebirth who writes, one of my favorite funny parts about Moana is every time Maui tosses her in the ocean. So excited for the sequel. Yeah, listen, we're not going to go into it right now. We're going to talk about it on the John Campus show tomorrow. But of course, a big list of release dates, including Moana 2 got announced by Bob Iger today. We're going to talk about more of that tomorrow. Let me just say this in general, though. I love Moana. I love that movie. Um, I believe it's coming out in November. I just, I passionately, passionately love that, that movie. I just think it's so great. And you know what? I still listen to that one song. Um, there's a line, you've heard me talk about this, right? There's a line in her main song that I, I get a kind of teary eyed because I like to, I I'm a bit of a dreamer, right? I like to think about what's possible. And there's a line in that song where she sings, you know, uh, there's a line where the sky meets the sea and it calls me. There's a line where the sky meets the sea, it calls me. You know that that part of the song? And it's just such beautiful, beautiful imagery. The idea there's a line, that line, the horizon, the line where the sky meets the sea, the unknown, the unreachable dream, right? The, 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 the thing we we aspire to there's something the, the great unknown it's there and it calls me. I love that imagery. I think that's beautiful. <clears throat> and I, I think it's definitely funny. The rock singing, uh, the rock song. Um, you're welcome is one of the, the best songs. I think probably in my top 15 favorite Disney songs ever. You're welcome. You know, I, I love that song. Um, I'm very excited about a new one coming. All right, next up, we got Connor Dorian who writes, Disney has announced that Moana 2, we were just talking about this, Moana 2 will be released this November in movie theaters. Yeah, I think from what I understand, it was originally, they were developing it as an animated series and then they said, you know what? This is too good, which is kind of what happened to Toy Story 2. Do you guys remember that? Toy Story 2, one of the very few 100% movies on Rotten Tomatoes. They were developing that and making it as a straight-to-home video movie. And then they were like, you know what? This is really good. And then they put it in theaters and the rest is history. So from what I understand, and we'll talk more about it on the show tomorrow, this Moana thing was initially going to be like a animated series they were going to develop, and then they kind of rolled it into being a movie. And I'm very, very excited about that. All right. <laughs> Next up. Hey, John. Uh, reference to your show, do you think Voodoo, not Hulu, will do password sharing regulations as well? Now, Voodoo, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. They're owned by Walmart, are they not? Guys in the live chat, uh, correct me here if I'm wrong about this. But Voodoo is, is the video service owned by Walmart. I think they own it at, at any rate. Um, Dr. Stinky is saying, yes, that boy, uh, 22 saying, I believe so. Okay. So, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I said on the show earlier today, because to give you some context in case you didn't see the show earlier today. So Disney plus has is the Disney plus Hulu and ESPN plus all the Disney brands. Um, they have started rolling out their crackdown on password sharing, much like Netflix did, in 2023 to great success, like stupid success. And I said, you know, right now the streaming world is kind of a copycat game where somebody's going to try something. And if it works, you're going to see all the other streamers do it. 
And everybody was, all the other streamers, I think were kind of sitting around waiting to see what kind of results that Netflix was going to have for cracking down on password sharing. And the results were crazy. They experienced some of the biggest new subscriber growth they've ever had as a result of cracking down on passwords. So now all the streaming services are going to do it. Yeah, I guarantee you every streaming medium is going to follow suit. All of them right now are trying to develop software, security software to help them crack down on password share. I think eventually the next year or two, all of them will, whether it's Voodoo or Movies Anywhere, I think that's what the thing's called, or whether it's, you know, I think even the services like Google obviously are already cracking down on stuff like that. So yes, I do. My guess would be that Voodoo will also uh, fall into that. All right. Connor Dorian writes, the Percy Jackson TV series has officially been renewed for a second season. Yeah, there was no doubt about that. There was no doubt about that. The show was a big hit. The show was a big success. And uh, you, they clearly left it open. I Listen, I, I, I'll call myself out on this. I, I'm very pleasantly surprised when stuff like this happens. But uh, when they announced that they were going to do this Percy Jackson thing, I honestly didn't think it was all that great of an idea and then I watched the show and I found it to be completely delightful. I really liked the show. I thought it was really good. And the numbers were good. They already announced a few weeks ago. Remember, we talked about this on the John Cabot show. Their number, they had bigger numbers than Loki, bigger numbers than Ahsoka, bigger numbers than what for this Percy Jackson thing. So yeah, it's really no surprise at all uh, that they decided um, that they were going to do a second season. I think that totally makes sense for them. All right, guys, listen, we still have the last bit of questions. Uh, just to let you guys know too, I'm about to turn off the super chats. Okay. I forgot to turn them off a little bit earlier. I'm going to turn off the super chats now uh, so we can finish off the, so I can get home at some point and have, <laughs> and have dinner. Um, so we're going to turn those off, but before we do, we're going to take a quick second here and thank another sponsor of today's episode of open mic, our friends, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours. Mint mobile guys. We want to take a second. Thank a sponsor of this video. Mint Mobile. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, I have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. I've told you guys many times that after switching to Mint Mobile, I am spending less than a third on my cell bill than I used to with a major carrier. Say goodbye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All Mint plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And don't worry about having to change phones or numbers. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash that's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bills to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for being my mobile service provider and sponsoring today's episode of Open Mic. All right, guys, let's get on now to the rest of your questions here, shall we? We're going to pick things up here with Alex Von Gollum, who writes, 
Hey, John, now that several days since the release have passed, would you want to try the Apple Vision Pro? Perhaps the device has mainstream potential. I have no interest in the Apple Vision Pro. None. I'm, I'm an Apple guy. Like, I got a, an Apple Watch on. My, um, my current phone, even though Android is way better than iOS, uh, my phone is an Apple iPhone. Uh, my computer that I'm on right now is a Mac Studio Ultra sort of thing. My laptop is a MacBook Pro. I got my iPad over there. I got a lot of Mac stuff. I have zero interest in the Apple Vision Pro. Nobody has yet. You see, see here's the thing. When Apple introduced the iPhone, it solved a lot of problems and introduced things to people, things to people that they couldn't do before the iPhone. When the iPad came out, same thing. It solved certain problems and it offered us new things that we could do that we couldn't do on other devices before. So on and so forth, right? <clears throat> I have yet to have anybody show me one problem that the Apple Vision Pro solves. What problem do I have? What hiccup in my workflow? What obstacle in my daily productivity? What thing am I suffering from right now that the Apple Vision Pro solves? Nothing. I've seen nobody offer any um, suggestions or ideas about here's a problem that the Apple Vision Pro solves. None. Also, what is something that I can do on the Apple Vision Pro that I currently cannot do? Answer, nothing. It, literally nothing. So it is a $3,500 paperweight. Now, I'm sure if I put it on, I'd go, wow, that looks amazing. But I did that with the, um, what's the one that Facebook does? The Oculus. Yeah, I've had a couple of the Oculus things and they look really cool and they're really neat. But they're also collecting dust in my closet. Uh, I liked Beat Saber. You know that game on the Oculus with you got the lightsabers? And you're, that's kind of a fun game. I admit that is a fun game. I enjoyed that. But it's collecting dust because number one, it doesn't solve any problems. Number two, it doesn't really offer me anything that I can't do with something else. And that's the key to a really great new product. It either solves a problem or offers you a new thing you can do that you can't do with the other things you currently have. And yeah, so I don't know. Now, listen, remember, I'm saying all this to somebody who hasn't used it. But until somebody sits down and says, hey, John, here's a problem the Apple Vision Pro solves. And here's some things you can do that you simply cannot accomplish on anything else. If somebody sits down and gives me a good presentation on that, I'll think about getting one. Otherwise, I think it's going to end up in the closet collecting dust beside my Oculus. I mean, I, I think that's where it's going to end up. All right. Our friend Marie Seifring writes, what have you heard about a sports news platform jointly owned by Disney, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery in Development? I saw a brief statement about it in my suggested news feed. Thanks. Well, Marie, we actually did a full story on that on the John Campus show earlier today. Uh, for those of you who may, who may have uh, missed it, Disney, Warner Brothers, and Fox are putting together the ultimate app, the ultimate sports app. Like you can have ESPN plus that's fine, but they're creating a new service that they haven't given a name to it yet. And it's going to have ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN news, Fox sports, one Fox sports, two TNT, ABC sports, uh, and about four or five other things all in this one sports app, all in this one sports streaming platform. 
that if you pay monthly, and I've heard it, I've heard rumors that it's going to launch at $35 a month. But if you have this one sports app, you are covered. You are covered. If you're like me and are a sports fan. So um, it's very appealing because then I could cancel a bunch of other stuff that I've got because I would just have this one thing and have all the sports I need. And they're going to cover NFL, get live NFL games and NBA games, Major League Baseball games, NHL hockey games. Um, <coughs> it's pretty damn impressive. Pretty damn impressive. The stuff they said they're going to do. So, uh, yeah. Very, very, very excited to see how this all turns out. We'll see. All right. Next up, we got uh, Tim writes, as a big hockey fan like you, I love my devils. Man, listen, you and Putty. You guys remember Putty from Seinfeld? Big New Jersey Devils fan. Listen, you guys have been blessed to not only have some Stanley Cups, but you guys are blessed to have one of the greatest goaltenders of the past several generations. I'm not saying the greatest goaltender, but one of the greatest goaltenders of the past several generations with the great Martin Brodeur. That dude was a wizard in net, man. Like guys like him, Dominic Hasek, Patrick Waugh, these are guys who kind of defined the whole last couple of generations of guys who played goalies. And you guys had him. You also had one of the best executives in uh, uh, Lou uh, Lamorello over there as well. So yeah. All right. Next up, Matthew Brown writes, Hey John, hope you're doing well. Thank you very much. May not be popular, but I hope a new Ghost Rider movie is coming, but I think it should be uh, the Danny Ketch version. His story hasn't been told yet, but, but it, the thing is, it's also not one that's one of the more popular ones, right? You got to be careful with that. Listen, <clears throat> two buddies of mine directed the sequel to Ghost Rider. Um, Mark Neville Dean, Brian Taylor, two friends of mine, they directed the second Ghost Rider film. Didn't turn out great. You know, we can, we can admit that they're friends of mine, but I can admit that, that it didn't turn out great. I'm sure it didn't turn out the way they had hoped it would either. Uh, these are the same guys who did the two crank movies. So they are great directors. I love Mark and Brian. They're fantastic. They're, they're, they're edgy, push the envelope kind of directors. I love the stuff that they do, but you know, Ghost Rider two didn't work out so great. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's going to be much of a hunger for a Ghost Rider movie, to be honest. Outside of the hardcore, um, the hardcore um, comic book fans, I, I honestly just don't know if there's going to be a lot of uh, call for it, but yeah, we'll see. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Next up, uh, the Richard Art and Inspiration writes, uh, maybe Deadpool 3 trailer utilizes the footage from the director with Swift, Reynolds, and Jackson in the box. Uh, imagine if they gave a mic to Taylor Dazzler. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, but listen, nobody knows how to market their own movies like Ryan Reynolds does, right? All you got to do is go back and look at Deadpool to know nobody does it like he does. Um, and... Yeah, I, I just, I, but will they go, will they try to actually pull a stunt in, um, at the game itself? Will they actually try to pull a stunt at the game itself? And I don't know that they are. Cause you know, we were talking about on the show earlier today, like some people think that, 
you know, first of all, Taylor Swift may not even be at the game. Like she's got a concert she's doing in Japan. And there's a lot of question about whether or not she'd be able to get back in time for the Super Bowl. But whatever. There's a lot of people who believe that Taylor Swift and Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman and Sean Levy are all going to be in a box. And they're going to like put on costumes for the movie and promote the movie from the costume. I just don't know that they're going to do something physically at the game versus just playing a trailer. It'll be interesting to see what they do, but <clears throat> we'll find out. All right. Next up, uh, Andy writes, one of two, has there ever been a film that you highly looked forward to seeing, but also terrified to do so? For me, it's Civil War. I, I'm assuming you mean the new Nick Offerman film, not Captain America Civil War. I recently saw the trailer in theaters with some attendees and the vibe was intense afterwards. I now understand 1980s audiences than when they were watching nuclear Holocaust films. Yeah, listen, I, <clears throat> I was a very young kid, so like kind of too young to understand what was going on. But there was like a little TV movie called The Day After Tomorrow. Do you guys remember hearing about this? It was, it was, a, it was a TV movie about a nuclear war breaking out between the U.S. and Russia, and it was horrifying. It scared the living crap out of people. So, <clears throat> and I think people who are like just my age and younger may not have been able to really get that at the time. Uh, this Civil War thing, I remember Ann and I, which movie were we in? Ann and I were in a movie the other day and that Civil War trailer played and it was Argyle. Ann and I were sitting in Argyle and they played the Civil War trailer and there were like, there were people sitting a few seats down from us and they start talking to each other. It goes, this is just too, it just feels too real. It just feels too real right now. Especially when you got like the one guy playing kind of the hit going and he says, we're Americans. And the guy goes, huh? What kind of American? It's like, oh, like that. It, yeah, uh, yeah, it, you're right. It feels a little bit too real. I'm excited about seeing it, but also kind of freaked out about seeing it. So I, I, I get where you're coming from with that, Andy. All right. Brody Weaver writes, Lego movie is 10 years old today. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that. Sorry, guys, I got to pop another halls. We were talking about that on the John Campus show earlier today. Crazy that that movie is 10 years old. Again, I think one of the biggest mistakes the Oscars honestly have ever made that I thought the Lego movie should have potentially won the Academy Award for Best Animated Picture, and it didn't even get nominated. They didn't even get nominated. Um, so, yeah, just... Crazy thing. Now, the sequel wasn't so good. The Lego sequel wasn't so good, but the Lego Batman movie was really good. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to believe that that movie is now 10 years old. Uh, anyway. All right. Next up. Ian McAllister writes, the eternal fear of having a birthday party and no one shows up. Uh, totes understand. Uh, maybe use analytics to determine what cities most viewers are, are in. Yeah. Here's the thing. One of the things I told the agency is, if we end up doing something like this, just understand, I want to have nothing to do with it other than showing up and doing it. I don't want to be involved in the programming. I don't want to be involved in the planning it. I don't want to be involved in setting up the logistics. Like if we do this and it's a big if, if we do this, like you guys are going to have to handle all that. Like you guys are going to have to figure out what cities we go to and like set up the venues and all that kind of stuff. Cause I don't want to do that again. 
Because I did that for me, Harloff, and Alba in our LA thing that we did. I did all the all the uh, logistics and I set it all up. And um, it's just not something I want to do again. So uh, we'll see. All right. Thanks for that, Ian. The Richard Art and Inspiration Right says, uh, you mean so much to so many, John. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's not a bad idea. Funding will find itself. Just don't expect to meet Kurt Russell in, <laughs> in Antarctica. Uh, hashtag uh, destinate wisely. I don't understand the reference, but I'm sure that's a reference to something. And like I said, we'll see. I mean, maybe it could be something fun. Maybe it won't. Uh, we'll we'll kind of play it by ear and, and see how it goes. All right. Ronan, but thank you for the kind words, the Richard. I appreciate that, man. Uh, Ronan writes, have you heard anything about the Division movie based on the video game of the same name starring Jake Gyllenhaal around in 2016? Nope. Um, my guess is it probably died on the vine. I don't know that. I'm not stating that as a fact. I'm just saying that's my guess is it probably died on the vine, but I haven't heard anything about it in years. Like, not in years. So my guess is at this point, maybe it's not happening. But you never know. Sometimes these movies, they gestate for a really, really long time. And uh, and then then they, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they spring up. So who knows? Maybe that'll happen. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, next up. Um, why can I not get this to scroll? Hold a second. Okay, here we go. Uh, next up, we've got Susie Indie Music Fan Rights. I just saw the trailer for the Piper Julian Sands last movie. The Baltimore trailer uh, looks good. It's about the troubles in Ireland during the 1970s. I have not even heard of this. It's what? It, okay, what's the name of the movie? The Piper Julian Sands? Is that the name of it? The Baltimore trailer is... Okay, I don't understand if it's called the Piper Julian Sands or if it's called the Baltimore or called Baltimore. Anyway, looks good. It's about the troubles in Ireland during the 1970s. I'm not heard of this one, Susie, but I will definitely keep my eyes open and see if I can come across that trailer and uh, check it out. Thanks for putting on my radar. All right. John McKinney writes, with Disney doing live action remakes, do people forget it actually started in the 1990s? Those being with The Jungle Book from 1994 with Jason Scott Lee. I remember that movie. And 101 Dalmatians from 1996 with Glenn Close. Oh, yeah, I think people know that this has been a thing for a long time. Right? I think people remember, and no, this has been a thing for a long time. Uh, it's just that, you know, there was still a bit of a novelty to it back when they were doing it at that time. And now it seems like it's an overdone thing. Uh, sometimes overdone a lot. So, you know, there's that. So I don't think people forgot that it started back then. It's just that now it's done a lot. And so it's kind of looked at a little bit differently today than it would have been back then. All right. And our final question of the day comes to us from Susie Indie Music Fan who writes, are you looking forward to watching the second part of Wolf Hall? I thought Mark Rylance was brilliant in the first series. Are you a fan of Mark Rylance? I love Mark Rylance, but I've never seen Wolf Hall. I, I, I don't know what that is. Like, I thought he was great. Obviously, he, he was in that Spielberg film. Uh, then he was, oh, by the way, nobody saw BFG. And I'm not talking about Doom's big fucking gun. I'm like the BFG about the, the giant Mark Rylance. I, I thought that was a charming little movie and nobody went to go see it. Nobody went to go see it. 
I don't know why. I thought it was really good. Then, of course, he played the game developer in uh, uh, what's the the video game uh, 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 based on the novel Ready Player One. He was in Ready Player One, and I really liked him in that. I think Mark Rylance is fantastic, but I've never seen Wolf Hall, so I can't say that I am uh, looking forward to the second part of it uh, at all, unfortunately. All right. Um, you know what, guys? Uh, I said that was the last question, but since I've got a couple more minutes, I got a few more minutes. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm just going to ask you guys in the live chat, if you've got a question for me, format it like this. Put question in capital letters, then a colon. Here's my uh, question, right? So I just put it in the live chat. See where I've got it there? I've got it formatted like question and put it in capital letters question and then write your question. That way I know if you're just chatting amongst yourselves or if you actually have a question for me. I'm not going to answer everyone that comes through, but I'm going to take a few minutes here and answer a few more. So let's see uh, uh, what we got here. Okay. We got a Q writes, Iger released dates for 2025 releases. No Blade thoughts on this. Not an unusual thing. There's been a lot of times that Disney and one of the divisions have announced a bunch of releases, but they didn't mention all the ones that are coming out. So I don't really think that means anything, to be honest with you. Um, let's see here. A DB is writing question. Do you think the community movie will, will film this year? Joe McHale says supposed to, and Donald Glover says that the script is finished. Maybe. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to pretend like I'm super excited for this, even though I really like the community show. But um, if they don't do it this year, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it's just the beginning of the year, right? So they got a whole year to try to come up with it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Charlie the Unicorn writes, what were your thoughts on the new trailer for A Quiet Place, the prequel? Look like a banger. Uh, we talked about it on the John Campus show earlier today. I thought it looked great. It's shorter than I wanted it to be. Like, it was only a minute and a half, and the first 30 seconds is just footage from the other movies. But I do think it looks great. I do think it looks great. So I'm really excited for it. Um, um, where is it? Uh, oh, this is interesting. Don Don Ranger Power writes, ready for the United Football League. You know what? I'm going to try following it this year. For those of you who don't know, there were two secondary football leagues, the XFL and the USFL. They have now merged to form a new spring league that's professional football um, for <coughs> football fans to watch after the Super Bowl is done, right? And I've never really followed the secondary leagues before, but I was telling Ann, I think this year I'm going to try to make an effort to actually follow this new United Football League, the UFL. I'm going to try following it this year and, and see if it's enjoyable. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Drew914 uh, writes, John, have you watched Masters of the Air? No, I have not. I thought the third episode was very good. And the show. I don't think it's reached Band of Brothers level yet, but I think it's getting better. Yeah, no, I haven't watched it yet. Um, I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think the trailers looked all that good. But it's on Apple TV and Apple TV stuff seems to be really, really high quality. So I'll probably check it out at some point. But no, um, I've not watched it yet. All right. Thomas Barlow's question. Super Bowl prediction. Uh, never count out Patrick Mahomes. Never count him out. As long as he's on the field. Anything can happen. But this 49ers team is a definitively better team than this Chiefs team. Like, they are definitively better. So they should win, and I think they're going to win handily. I think they're going to win by 14. But I wouldn't put 100 bucks on that because, like I say, never count out a team where Patrick Mahomes 
um, is the quarterback. Uh, yeah, uh, just never, never count out that team. All right, I'm going to pick one more. Uh, go through, see what's here. What's an interesting question here? Um, there it is. Uh, Datboy22 says, do you think Mandalorian will get a fourth season after the film? Well, here's the thing. They've announced that there's going to be a fourth season after the film. But I don't know if they'll actually do it. Look, here's the thing I'm worried about. And I said this on the John Campier show. I said, them doing the movie and then just continuing on with the show, to me, that makes me worried that they're just going to treat this theatrical film like a, just a promo spot for Disney+. Hey, everybody, did you like this movie? Got to come over and watch the continuation on Disney+. Plus. Come sign up for Disney+. Plus. And that's really going to fucking piss me off. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That's going to piss me off if they do that. If they just do this movie as nothing but a cheap gimmick advertisement promo tool to get more people to sign up to Disney+, Plus, I'm going to be kind of pissed off. I'm going to be really upset about that. So they said they're going to do a season four. I have my doubts though. I, I Again, I'm not saying that with any insider information at all. I'm just saying I have my doubts. That's all I'm saying. I have my doubts. So let's kind of wait and see. All right, guys, with that down, That'll do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this little show a part of your day. It was really cool of you guys just to come and hang out as we sit around and just chat. Thanks so much for being here. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in questions. Number one, because it gave me great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel by doing that and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Uh, once again, don't forget, you can send in questions and comments anytime, 24-7, by just going to our tip link at Stream Elements, or it is streamelements.com slash John slash tip, and then we'll get around to answering those questions the next time uh, we do the show. Now, we're not going to do a show tomorrow, because I think tomorrow, Ann and I are going to go to the Laker game, because my wife, Ann, was a huge, huge, huge Kobe Bryant fan. Um. One of the pictures hanging in our house is a picture of her with Kobe Bryant. She loves, loves, loves Kobe Bryant. And like tomorrow is a big Kobe Bryant day. And they're unveiling the Kobe Bryant statue. And uh, they're giving away Kobe Bryant Mamba jersey. So Ann and I are going to go to the Laker game tomorrow night. So not going to be able to do an open mic tomorrow. But you can still send in questions tomorrow. And the next time we do open mic, we'll get around to answering those. So. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. Appreciate you all so much. Make sure you come back and join us for the John Campus Show tomorrow. We're going to be talking about, oh gosh, all that stuff that came out. The Mandalorian movie announcement, the, all the, the Moana stuff, all the release date announcements. We already got a ton of stuff we got to talk about tomorrow. Make sure you guys come and join us for that. That'll do it for me, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>